This is our third session on Colossians 3, 18-21, and we stay with verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And in this session, I'm going to think about this word fitting in relationship to the difference between wives and husbands. In other words, they are given different roles. She's called to be subject to him, and he is called to love her, and they can't reverse those roles because in Ephesians 5, both are modeled on Christ and his church, with wives representing the church, taking her cues from the church, husbands representing Christ, taking his cues from Christ, an irreversible relationship. The question is, what is it about women and men that makes it fitting for submission to be her role and husband's? Because I don't think God created man and woman as duplicates and then flipped a coin to see which would be submissive and which would be the leader. That's not what the word fitting implies. So I'm asking, in the order of creation, were there clues as to God making man and woman so that it was fitting for men to take initiative and lead and be the strong protector, provider, leader, and the woman to be the submissive one? Or is that mere cultural stuff? And Paul clearly in First Timothy 2.13 and uh, Ephesians 5, say 32, reaches back to creation to defend this fitness here. So that's what I want to do in this session, is go back to Genesis and see eight pointers to the fitness of husbands being the head and the leader and wives being the follower-supporter. So, Father, I pray that you would clarify your teaching in Genesis 1-5, to and that we would discern your original design for man and womanhood as it's presented by Moses. First, the creation of man and woman, both in the image of God, God's image with man as a representative. Then God said, let us make man, Adam, that's the word for man, it's also the proper name for Adam, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, so when he said man here, he had both in mind, let them have dominion. So God created man, same word, Adam, in his own image, in the image of God he created him, masculine pronoun, male and female, he created them, masculine pronoun. And I'm simply pointing out that there is a prominence given to the creation of male and female in the image of God. There's a prominence given to man. 
Second, man was created first, then the woman. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So first man's created, then woman is created. Paul makes that a significant point in 1 Timothy 2.13, that the firstness of man implies a going ahead of man, a going ahead in leadership. Man is given the moral teaching for the garden and then expected to give it to his wife when she comes along. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. That's the rule in the garden. It is not repeated when woman is created, and therefore the assumption is, man, I'm giving you this rule. Make sure the two of you who will be held accountable by it know it. Woman was created from man as a helper suitable for him. So from man and for him as a helper. For Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So he had just named all the animals and none of them were like him. None was human. None was in the image of God like he was. That won't do. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So man taken or woman taken from man as a helper suitable for him. Genesis 2.23, man names woman. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So man takes the initiative and becomes the naming one in his leadership role. Genesis 3, 1 to 6, the serpent reverses God's order of man as representative and leader, making the woman lead out. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, so he spoke to her, and we're going to see that the man was there, and he didn't speak to the man. That would have been to endorse God's order, but he spoke to the woman and turned her into the leader. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And she has this interaction with him, and I'm dropping down to verse 6. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her. That's the key phrase here. Satan was standing in front of both of them, as it were, and he addressed the woman in a, a kind of insult to the leader. It's as if a party should ride up to a, 
a person on their horses and the chief or the leader or the general would be on his horse and the enemy ignores the, the leader and looks at the, uh, the corporal or the, or the lieutenant and says, what are you doing? And takes the lead away from the leader and makes her lead out. Genesis 3, 7 and 9. God calls man to account first. This is so significant, I think. Maybe, maybe the most important point we've seen so far, or one of them anyway. Then the eyes of both were opened after they both sinned and fell. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called. Now, who's he going to call to? The woman took the lead because Satan enticed her to do it. And instead of going to her first as the one who was first in that leadership conversation, he calls the man out. That's very significant. He called to the man and said, where are you? I've said often that if there's a problem between me and Noel in our marriage, and Jesus were to knock on the door, and the last argument we had was her fault, probably not, but let's just suppose it. <laughs> the last one was her fault, and Jesus sees her open the door. I think he's going to say to her, is the man of the house here? I have something to deal with him about. You'll get around to dealing with both of us, but this, I think, is very significant. God named man and woman man. This is the book of the generations. This is chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, same word, Adam, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female. He created them and he blessed them and named them man. He named them man when they were created. This is why women take their husband's name when they are married. That's the biblical foundation for that remarkably prevalent pattern. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image, and he named them Seth. I included that verse because here, Adam, same as these three words, is the personal name of Adam. And that's the name that he gave Adam and Eve. He gave them the name Adam or man. So all of those eight pointers suggest that it is fitting for a wife to submit to her husband, not in any arbitrary sense, it's fitting because in God's creative and creating design and plan, 
He ordered it so that man, by his very created nature, is suitable as the leader and the woman suitable as the one who follows. So here's my proposed definition so far, and we'll unpack it or correct it next time, because next time we're going to ask, okay, now we've seen this from creation. What about in the Lord, fitting in the Lord? Does the fact that the wife and the husband are in the Lord alter in any way or affect in any way that fitness from creation? Here's my suggested definition so far. A wife's submission to her husband is a joyful, intelligent, fearless disposition. I'll say a word about each of those next time, especially this one. Disposition under the supreme lordship of Jesus over her and him to affirm, receive, and nurture the strength and leadership of her husband. That's my proposed definition of submission so far. And you should ask, why did you choose the word disposition instead of something more behaviorally oriented? And we'll get into that next time.